You've heard all about this whole paleo thing, but you've wondered if it's really for you. You've been searching for someone to guide you along the way. Your search is over. Let registered nurse Marie Grace Berg lead the way with these inspiring stories of people who have been where you are. Welcome to Transitioning to Paleo Made Easy with Marie Grace Berg. Have you ever wondered why you're having a hard time losing weight? Eat More, Burn More is focused on helping you transform your body into a fat-burning mode by turning off the hormone that sabotages your fat loss. Go to eatmoreburnmoresystem.com to learn more. Alright, paleo fans out there, let's get started. I am excited to introduce you our amazing guest for today, Sarah Ballantyne. Sarah Ballantyne, aka The Paleo Mom, is the blogger behind the award-winning blog, ThePaleoMom.com, where she shares her recipes, explains the science behind the paleo diet and its modifications, as well as the challenges of raising a paleo family. Sarah is also the co-host of the top-rated and syndicated podcast, The Paleo View. She is an author of two books, The Paleo Approach, who was recently launched, and The Paleo Approach Cookbook, which is out coming soon. She has a strong focus on modifications of this diet for autoimmune disease sufferers brought about by her personal experience with autoimmune disease. We are thrilled to hear more of her stories as we take her back to her journey when she first started living the paleo lifestyle. To our paleo fans, Sarah Ballantyne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, we are delighted to have you around. So let's get right into our topic for today. What made you decide to go paleo or to start this paleo lifestyle? Um, what got me onto paleo was health problems. So for me, I have um, a history of um, just sort of annoying health issues, nothing life-threatening, but um, I had a history of irritable bowel syndrome and asthma and allergies. I would get frequent tendinitis and sort of repetitive strain um, injuries. I had um, skin conditions. I would sort of frequently have small patches of eczema, nothing really major. I had scalp psoriasis, but not um, psoriasis in other parts of my body. I had um, a skin condition called lichen planus, which um, I later found out was an autoimmune condition, but um, that just has quite painful and itchy lesions, but typically restricted to wrist and ankles. So it wasn't a huge um, issue for for me. It's not like it was putting me in the hospital, but it was sort of this accumulation of small things. And then I also battled with my weight. And so what happened for me was I first found a low-carb diet, and that worked really, really well for me to lose weight. Um, I, at one point in my life, was pre-diabetic. A low-carb diet helped regulate my blood sugars. It helped my blood pressure come down. Um, but I had this realization that losing weight was not making me healthy. And even though I was you know, getting closer to being as, as thin as I wanted to be and I was quite active and I was fairly physically fit – that I was still battling with, you know, all of these various skin conditions and um, gastrointestinal diseases. I had acid reflux. And and for me, I had this, you know, sudden need for trying to understand why 
being thin was not the same as being healthy because in my sort of ups and downs throughout my life of trying to lose weight, I had never really thought of those things separately. I'd always thought that I'll be healthy when I lose weight. And then I lost weight and I still had all of these conditions and I hadn't ever occurred to me that those things would continue when I got healthy. So I started researching on the internet uh, about diet links for eczema. So the, the big thing that got me inspired to look for a solution was the fact that the um, autoimmune disease I had, like complainus, was spreading and it was getting very bad. And um, and at the same time, I was having more issues with eczema and psoriasis and uh, my allergies were, were acting up. And I I started with the idea that I had heard that eczema and food sensitivities often go together. So I started there and I started researching whether or not there was any information about food sensitivities and lichen planus. And I stumbled upon an article on the paleodiet.com written by Lauren Cordain that was about lichen planus and about the paleo diet. And that was not the first time I'd heard about it, but the first time I'd really taken notice of a paleo diet. And so then I started researching like everything I could find about the paleo diet. I, I really read up about it and contemplated doing it and tried to understand it for about three months before I actually decided to take the plunge and actually, you know, try a paleo diet for myself and see what would happen. Um, at the time, the sort of like the one month paleo challenge was like a really, well, it still is a really common um, concept. And I decided I was going to try it for three months. So I, um, I was already coming from sort of a low carbohydrate diet. So there was already some aspects of like, I would make spaghetti for my family and, um, you know, I would have vegetables instead of noodles. Um, this kind of just took it to a whole new level. I got rid of legumes. I changed the fats I was cooking with and I really went completely gluten-free. And then another big one for me was cutting out dairy. Those were sort of like the big picture changes that I make. And I decided to just jump in with both feet. For me, that's a strategy that works really, really well whenever I'm trying to make any kind of change. It's just like decide a day that I'm going to do it and do it. Um, and I was blown away by how quickly I started seeing improvements in my health. It was literally two weeks. And in two weeks, I was able to go off of six prescription medications. And it turned me into a zealot. I became so enthusiastic about nutrition that it became um, not just uh, an obsession for me to try and understand why. And that led me into the whole, um, you know, blogging journey and, and getting really into the science behind the paleo diet. And then that led, of course, to um, how much science is in my, my book. Um, but I just became just really um, inspired and it really opened up my eyes to um, food as something different than just fuel. And if you eat too much, you get fat. If you eat less, you lose weight. It became you know, food is nutrition and your body needs nutrients. And that completely changed my focus and my um, understanding of how food impacts health. So right around the time that I was starting to understand what health meant was also around the time that I was starting to understand what things 
make you healthy. And it wasn't just being thin. It wasn't just, you know, cutting out carbohydrates and losing weight. It was much, much more complicated than that. And that's really changed my big picture. Wow. So you have the whole plethora of this annoying conditions, like what you said from, I mean, all of this, like irritable bowel syndrome, your allergies, your joint problems, and the skin conditions that you like eczema or like that. So do you think that was your, uh, would you think that that those skin conditions were the defined i mean uh, be um, getting tired from, uh, of them or the, or the symptoms of them was that the defining moment that you said oh my god this is it i'm gonna find way to get rid of this uh, by following the paleo diet was that a defining moment for you um yeah i think the skin conditions were really the drive so okay. um you know i was having um you know i was frustrated with my health in a lot of ways but I think the skin conditions in part because there's such a visual proof um you know of something being wrong inside your body and you know in the in the case of skin conditions it's an overactive immune system um it was such a a visual proof and it was you know to the point where I didn't want to take my kids to the pool because I didn't want to wear a bathing suit and that frustration even though I had lost weight and I felt so much more confident in my body in public. I, here I was, you know, wanting to cover up this, you know, really angry, purple, scaly skin. And I think that it was that sort of mounting frustration um, and then the, the power of the internet and, and how much information you can access so quickly on the internet that was how everything came together and brought me to the paleo diet. That is huge. I mean, of course, body image and like those are, are really big, especially for us women. And I could totally relate with you there because those things that we can see right away, they are so annoying and you just want to get rid of them right there and then. Right. So let's take you back um, when you started transitioning to the paleo because our listeners are interested on how did you do How did you do it? I mean, how did you go? How was it? What was your typical day when you started like, okay, today I'm going to start adopting this kind of eating. How was it in the beginning? So for me, I think, you know, a lot of people will experience um, something like a carb flu or headaches. I didn't actually experience anything like that. I think that was in part because my diet was already fairly low to moderate carbohydrate. So I didn't have that adjustment in metabolism that I think a lot of people go through. Um, for me, the, the biggest challenge was actually, I think there were two challenges. One was understanding just how pervasive gluten and soy are in the food supply and in the ingredients that I was used to using. So a huge part of transitioning to paleo was just understanding what I couldn't cook with anymore, understanding that soy sauce had both soy and gluten in it, um, and um, figuring out what the substitute ingredients were, um, and then understanding cooking fats and, um, and really trying to figure out because my family at the time was not paleo. My family didn't start transitioning until I had been eating a paleo diet for about two months. So I was doing this alone in my family and figuring out how to prepare my meals so that my family could eat the foods that they were used to, but I could follow a paleo diet. For me, that was 
the biggest challenge. So I had to learn, you know, initially it was change, change the fats that I'm cooking in. So I'm I'm sorry, go ahead. So changing the fats I was cooking in, it was learning about coconut oil, um, cooking with, I mean, when I first transitioned, I was actually cooking with butter, but I started buying grass fed butter. Um, and a lot of coconut oil, getting used to the taste of coconut oil. And I literally went from like every time I bought a jar, I bought a different brand to try and figure out what coconut oil had a taste that I liked because I didn't like the first probably eight different brands of coconut oil that I tried. Um, Understanding, you know, initially I wasn't trying any baking. I wasn't doing anything with almond flour. That sort of came later when I was transitioning my family but I, I was sort of used to peanut butter as a, as a snack. So replacing that with almond butter. And then the, the big thing was segmenting meals so that I would create a meal so that everything was separate. So there'd be like a meat and two or three different kinds of vegetables. And one might have been uh, potatoes, which I, I didn't eat initially on the, on the paleo diet. Actually, I still don't eat. Um, or I might do something like rice or pasta. But that the other vegetables were something that I could eat. Or I would make spaghetti and use kelp noodles for myself and regular noodles for my family. So I, learning how to um, navigate being paleo and alone in the house was, the, was my biggest challenge when I first transitioned. You know, I have to share you a little story about the coconut oil uh, thing that you were saying about the smell or like that, the taste like that. Because you know what? I grew up in a small town where we used to make coconut oil from raw coconut meat. (laughs) So, and it has never bothered me, I guess, because I grew up with it. So that's interesting to know because I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, they don't like the the smell. They don't like the taste of the coconut. I guess you just have to get used to it, I'm sure. Well, it's now something that I love and... um... You know, I put it in tea and coffee, and um, and I I don't get a refined coconut oil. I buy an unrefined one that does taste like coconuts. But what I found when I was initially playing with coconut oil was that the unrefined ones I was kept finding they tasted not like real coconut because I liked real coconut, but like coconut flavor, and that's a really different. You know, you you probably grew up. You definitely grew up with like real coconut oil made with fresh coconuts that probably tasted like coconut as opposed to, I found the first few that I tried had a really artificial coconut flavor, which I have been told, I don't know if this is true, you should, you should um, chime in, but I've been told that that more artificial coconut flavor is actually because the coconuts are starting to go bad. Do you know if that's true? Wow, I never thought it wouldn't be like that because you know, when we were kids, we used to gather this raw coconut, and then we come home. We come home, and then take the meat out, and then cook them until it separates to a to the oil. And you know, we use these ones for a lot of our, not just for cooking, but for for hair, for for as a moisturizer. So we use them up. Um, like where we grew up, we didn't have refrigerators that back right. then. So we we all, we use them, we consume them all the time. We make them and we consume them all the time. So that one, I really, I I don't think um, maybe if you keep them for a long time. Yeah, I don't, hasn't. I don't know. But that that for me was the big difference. It was finding a coconut oil that tasted like fresh coconuts as opposed to a coconut oil that tasted like 
artificial coconut. That for me was was the big trick. But you, yes, you're right because I can see, the, I can feel the difference. I can taste the difference because I guess because of my recollection from before and all of this that we are buying in the store, they have been there for a long time. So for me as well, I used to put them on the refrigerator, but then <laughs> it's so cold, it freeze, so I have to get them out and then. Let them <laughs> so I hear Chisel you. Chisel away your coke, yeah. Cold coconut oil is pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I have to like scrape them out of it. Yeah. So you touched about those challenges um, that I'm sure our, li- our listeners uh, can relate to, like understanding and substituting those ingredients. And my God, doing it alone. I totally relate with you because when I started, I was like you doing it alone. And it was like strange and I uh, that I was cooking two different meals every time um, until my family, until my husband and and the whole family adopt to it. So yeah, I totally agree with you. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to that, that these are the things, these are challenges that we, you are going to be facing if you are are thinking of starting the pilot, but that shouldn't, you know, discourage you because like, like what Sarah said or um, shared with us, there are ways to deal with those. So I really appreciate you um, touching on those um, challenges. Now, how did you keep yourself motivated and continue following this paleo diet approach to eating and not only to eating, but the lifestyle itself? Well, there were two things that really contributed to my, and continue to contribute to my motivation. And the first was how good I felt. And I think that was the most important thing was that once I, I got through those sort of first two weeks, I had more energy, I was sleeping better. Um, I had to continue to um, modify a paleo diet and and work really hard to figure out what I needed to do for my autoimmune disease. That actually didn't clear up until I started making more changes. I discovered I was really, really sensitive to nightshades, which is um, the family of vegetables that includes tomatoes and peppers and eggplant. And, you know, for me, there was actually probably a year and a half of tinkering and experimentation to really find what was optimal for my body. But what kept me going, I think, was, first of all, that I had seen so much dramatic improvement so quickly um, and that I was continuing to see slow improvement. And any time I ate something that was not paleo, I felt terrible. So that kind of kept me going. But then the other thing that was really important for my journey was that Two months in, you know, right around the time that my family was starting to get more on board and we started working on transitioning my husband and my kids, which we did slowly over about six months and did step by step, um, that was also the time that I started my blog. And for me, blogging became accountability. So it became a way of um, keeping myself accountable for my choices so that I could, you know, report that in a blog so that I, or a post or, or a, a Facebook, you know, status update so that I, um, you know, I had this audience who was invested in me continuing. Um, for people who aren't interested in starting a blog, you can get that same sort of accountability by finding a peer group either within your family or your friends or an, an online peer group. And there's lots of great paleo Facebook groups now where you can find sort of your people. Um, And I found that being able to have discussions about 
what foods I was missing, what I was craving, what I was struggling with, with, you know, in my case, it was the, the readers of my blog, but, you know, that could be any support group, um, you know, your own sort of support network. Um, that was the other, like, really critical piece for me was having, you know, it, it was sort of accountability plus also it's like a social network. Um, and that that was really important, especially when I, you know, when I would feel deprived or um, would be craving some, you know, food from my past that I knew was going to make me feel sick, but I still really wanted to eat it. Um, and that was also where I started to understand the lifestyle aspects better. It sort of came from experimenting with my own health and um, sort of becoming part of um, the sort of paleo blogger community and starting to become part of the conversations that we have within the paleo community about things like sleep and stress management and activity, what types of activity. So as I was sort of learning more and experimenting on myself and incorporating those things more into my daily life, it also became a topic of conversation to have with my readers. And all of that was really important for my own personal journey. So, um, so it was in part both of those things, the part where I, you know, was seeing improvement and that gave me encouragement to keep going. Um, but also the part where I had a really, really strong support network via the blog. You touched some, something that I'm sure our listeners would really relate to, and that's dealing with those cravings. Can you tell us how you deal with that? Because that is interesting. And I'm sure I've met a lot of people who are like, they're struggling because they they wanted to, they have these cravings that they just couldn't, you know, don't have that willpower to say no. So that was, that's really interesting. And I would love your perspective on it. How did you deal with those? So I, I mean, quite frankly, I still deal with them. I, um, I used to be morbidly obese. I had metabolic syndrome. Um, and I have still the, some emotional issues with food. So I, you know, I used to have binge eating disorder. I still fight that compulsion to binge eat. Um, and I, I have this emotional attachment to food. Um, so when I'm feeling stressed or tired or upset, angry, lonely, food is my sort of natural go-to for um, consolation, for company, for um, comfort. And understanding the difference between an emotional craving and a physical craving has been a long road for me. Um, the physical cravings really just subsided over time. And it really, I think, was linked to the nutrient density of my diet. So really fixing nutrient deficiencies. And, and to do that, I was eating a lot of vegetables, a lot of seafood, and a lot of organ meat. But the emotional cravings are still there. And so the number one thing, the number one trick I have for dealing with cravings is to go to bed. Um, I almost always have my cravings in the evenings and it's almost always related to I'm tired and my my body is trying to keep myself awake by eating more energy. And um, and I, I when I get those stress cravings, the number one reason why my stress hormones are out of whack is because I'm not getting enough sleep. So for me, increasing sleep um, and making sure, I mean, I, ideally I like to make sure that I get nine hours every single night 
that is the number one thing that gives me not just the emotional strength to make good choices, but it actually impacts the hormones that are causing the cravings. So it both, you know, dulls the cravings or makes them go away completely, or and it improves my sort of willpower. Um, it makes it easier to make good choices. And I mean, it makes it easier to make good choices because the cravings aren't as strong. So I actually, my number one recommendation when people are dealing with cravings is to sleep more. I mean, whether the craving is from stress or from your metabolism not switching over yet um, or any other reason, you know, sleep is so restorative and it can help reset those hormones um, and it can help, you know, regulate the immune system and all these things that can be going on that can be creating those, those cravings. And then the number two recommendation is, um, you know, we do have cravings when we have um, nutrient deficiencies because um, our bodies recognize that we're missing something. And often the signal between like what our bodies actually need and what we think would be a good food is broken. So you might need calcium and your body craves sugar. And sugar doesn't really have much calcium in it. In fact, it would deplete your body's calcium. It's really bad food to, to choose if you what you really need is calcium. But for me, it just became a, not focusing on individual nutrients. Um, I didn't do any particular micronutrient testing, but focusing on the most nutrient-dense foods that I could find. Um, I was doing that also just to deal with my um, autoimmune disease because part of what's breaking down in the immune system um, during autoimmune disease is lack of nutrients. So for me, that, that focus, it was all coming together, but I think that really had a tremendous impact on um, the frequency and intensity of cravings that I experience now compared to when I first started paleo. Wow, what you've just shared, Sarah, was so valuable. I need, uh, it's worth repeating them for our listeners today. So because this is a big issue, cravings. Cravings is a big issue. I've met a lot of uh, people complaining, I mean, telling me about how do I deal with this craving. So those two tips that you've just uh, shared and plus the explanation of them is really huge. So, so let me reiterate those. So dealing with the physical cravings, you, you, just, you need to eat nutrient-dense food that will fill you up. And then to deal with the emotional craving, I like your... Um, your advice on this I and mean, just slip it off i mean it's as simple as slipping it off and you're right have the um, most of our emotional cravings are brought about by stress and a lot of those are because we are we are sleep deprived and i mean i think there's epidemic of uh, sleep deprivation in our country today i mean we're walking zombies and i've read a lot about that if we could just nail our sleep it's not only um good for our physical well-being but it's also emotional and mental um well-being so yes that's very simple things that they can do today to eat nutrient-dense food and to sleep better so thank you sarah for sharing those Thanks. Now, you have mentioned a lot of uh, improvement or a lot of outcomes or results that maybe you consider them as measured for your success following this paleo diet. Well, are there any, uh, any other benchmarks that you can say that, oh my God, this really works for me? Uh, for me, the number one criteria is the health conditions that I used to battle with. So, I don't have any of the um, 
digestive condition, digestive distress, irritable bowel syndrome, acid reflux. I don't have any of those conditions anymore. Um, I don't have asthma anymore. I don't have allergies anymore. I don't have eczema or psoriasis or tendinitis or carpal tunnel syndrome. I don't have any joint pain anymore. I have really great energy. I wake up with energy. I sleep really well. Um, and I have to be really proactive about my autoimmune disease. So I, um, I have to keep my diet really clean. I, I personally cannot follow an 80-20 rule. Um, and I have to be really careful about stress management and sleep and spending time outside and, and all of the, the lifestyle things. And so for me, it's a great barometer of how I'm doing uh, in terms of especially the lifestyle things. So if I start going to bed later and later and later, you know, oh, season two of House of Cards is out. I'm going to stay up a little bit later to watch another episode. Or um, if I'm not doing a good enough job of reducing and managing my stress, if I'm not saying no when I can say no, and if I'm taking on more things than I um, really should, which I have a bad habit of doing. I'm very bad at saying no to things. Um, when I start to have my stress level creep up, and especially when my stress level is creeping up and the amount of sleep I'm getting is creeping down, that's when I'll start to see um, the scars where old lesions were start to turn into active lesions or also have new active lesions. Um, and so for me, that's that for me is telling me not just about how clean and nutrient-dense my diet is, but it's telling me about the lifestyle aspects and how that's integrated into health. Um, I don't weigh myself. For me, that's not, um, you know, I have, I know that my weight goes up and down. I can tell by how my clothes are feeling, but it's completely linked also to stress and sleep management. And I, I'd like to focus instead on my energy level and how I feel, um, how I feel when I exercise, how well I'm sleeping. I know when I start having to get up and pee in the middle of the night, again, that's linked to stress and I need to, to pull something in. Um, but for me, you know, that's, it, that's a lot of different things that I'm looking at. Um, but it basically boils down to how I'm feeling. And that for me is what um, tells me if I'm doing a good job. It's what, you know, it's what keeps me um, going and, and keeps me making good decisions. So you can say that um, your total well-being was greatly improved as a result of this, following the paleo diet and paleo lifestyle. Absolutely, by leaps and bounds. Ours, absolutely, and then uh, that's really awesome to hear that because then I, then our listeners can like like see for themselves. All right, what is it for me? What am I? What is my vision? What is it that I'm looking forward to? So that's really um, awesome for you to share that because then I then they can picture it, picture themselves that may they can too, they can uh, do this as well. They can reach that point where they can feel good and f- about themselves, about their lives in general. Now I know I, that you have a lot of things up your sleeves at the moment, but. Can you share those plans in the future that you have about your business and what you're currently up to at the moment? Um, I can. So right now I have a brand new book out called The Paleo Approach. It's been out for three weeks. And so a large part of my uh, current plans is actually really related to marketing that book. So I'm doing some book signings, um, some sort of mini book tours. I have two young kids. so I can't really do the 
three week travel the country uh, book tour. I'm not, I, I, I don't want to do that to my children. I'm a stay at home mom first. And so, um, and so I've, you know, talked with my husband and we've agreed that I can do a few short trips. So I'm doing a few like weekend trips where I'm doing some, some book events across the country. So that's like a big part of my life right now. Um, but I'm continuing to make new content for the blog and I am finishing up the companion cookbook for the paleo approach. Um, and that's something that's going to actually take a lot of my focus over the next month. Um, and I guess the really, really big new project um, that I'm working on is next week I am launching a consulting company. Um, I've um, hired four uh, consultants who um, have a variety of, of backgrounds and um, certifications and they are going to be able to um, interact directly with people to help people um, sort of uh, individualize and customize what they are doing to address their health issues. I get a lot of questions from people who, um, often people who are sick because my blog has such a, it's a general paleo blog, but I do have a lot of autoimmune disease content on it just because that's been part of my personal battle. Um, and I get a lot of emails from people and I, I the volume is so high, I can't actually re respond to them anymore, but I don't have a license that allows me to interact with people or provide consulting services, provide medical or nutritional advice. It's actually illegal for me to provide that advice directly to people. I can, I can give my thoughts on a topic in the more general discussion of a blog post or in the book, but I can't actually legally, you know, um, interact with, with people at that level. So what this company is going to let me do is it's going to let me provide that service because I've hired people with the right certifications. I've really handpicked um, uh, these four amazing, amazing women. Um, and uh, that is that is the big, the big excitement. It's going to be called the Paleo Mom Consulting. And uh, we're just um, in the final stages of setting it up. And I think it should launch mid to late next week. Wow. So between the paleo approach uh, book launch and that you are going from, are you going from town to town? Where's the next stop? Uh, so the, the first book signing is local to me in Atlanta and that's this Sunday um, from one to three at the Whole Foods and Merchants Walk. Um, the next stop, I am going to the DC area and Philadelphia in uh, early March. And then um, the next stop after that will be Austin in April. And I'm also going to New York in April. And then I have um, a book signing set up in the Bay Area in May. And uh, we'll probably, we're still working on the details, but we'll probably end up in Vancouver and or Seattle in July. So those are the things that are currently set up. If um, people are interested in tracking me down, um, all of these events are listed with links for RSVPing and all the information you could possibly want at thepaleomom.com slash events. Wow, awesome, awesome. I mean, this is like a, a national tour in Canada as well. So well, I am Canadian, so I have to make sure I, I give some love to my, <laughs> my people. That's yeah. true. That's true. And you know, between this and then the paleo mom consulting, that is really interesting. And I'm sure there are a lot of listeners who are going to be excited with that one, because I agree with you. I mean, if we can, if you can provide that service to help these individuals with this, especially with this uh, certain diseases, and that they can have this individualized and customized uh, 
care for them. I mean, about the food especially. That would be really helpful. So, good luck with those two. Uh, Thank things. you. Oh my God, you a busy pilly mom. Yes, I am. <laughs> All right. So we are uh, nearing the end of our interview, but there's one thing that um, if you can share with us, if there are three things that our listeners can do today to help them transition to the paleo diet and make it a lot easier for them, what are those three things? Oh, that's a really good question. So the number one thing that I actually think helps transition to a paleo diet is getting more sleep. I know that sounds um, a little bit strange. I mean, we talked about sort of the epidemic of sleep deprivation already, but I think that when you've had enough sleep, it is, you, you actually are more efficient with your time during the day um, and it makes it easier to make good food choices. Um, the second thing is planning. So planning for what you would cook if um, your meeting ran late and you walked in the door 10 minutes before your kids normally eat supper. Um, what are you going to eat in that situation? What are you going to have in your freezer that you can just quickly thaw and um, or reheat um, or that cooks really, really quickly that's going to be just ready f for you that is going to be a healthy meal for you as well as your family. Um, you know, planning might mean having a cook-up day on the weekend um, so that you have a week's worth of leftovers. Um, what are you going to eat for breakfast if you sleep in? Um, having th those sort of contingency plans, knowing what you're going to keep in your car for a snack. There's Fortunately, there's tons and tons of options now for paleo-friendly, non-perishable foods that you can literally like keep at the bottom of your purse or keep in your glove compartment. But doing the planning where you're buying some of those things, maybe cooking in advance for your freezer, having that kind of plan is like essential. Um, and I think the last thing is really um, having, I think it, it's having a sense of letting go and and really only um, worrying about what you can control. And so, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot in the paleo community is an 80-20 rule. One of the things that that 20% allows you to do is I'm traveling, I'm stuck in an airport, my flight, flight's delayed, I'm hungry, I'm not going to get food for eight hours. Well, you know what, this is a time where I'm going to have a cheat meal. And having that, you know, finding that balance where, um, you know, you're planning in advance so that hopefully you don't end up in those types of situations. But at the same time, you're not stressing about food choices and you're not making it um, a cult or an obsession that you're giving yourself that flexibility. Giving yourself that flexibility can be one of the greatest things that you can do to increase long-term success. And that doesn't mean that you give yourself so much flexibility that you're basically not making any, you know, positive changes in your life. But it means that you don't let, when something goes off plan, when something derails you, that you don't let the wheels fall off the cart. You don't let that stress you out. Um, and you just kind of roll with the punches. I think, you know, so I guess two of my, my, my three things ended up being more about lifestyle than about food. But um, I think that having that sort of, you know, eyes on the long-term prize, um, that this is about sustainability and about stick, sticking with it for the rest of your life. I think those things are, are more important than, um, than a lot of the, um, 
than a lot of the the day-to-day, you know, nitty-gritty. Those are beautifully stated, um, Sarah, and I'm sure our listeners are regurgitating on those information (laughs) that you just shared. So let me say those once again, those three things. Get more sleep, and number two is planning, and three is having a sense of letting go, like doing only what you can control, the 80-20 rule that Sarah just mentioned. So in those times when you there, there is no other way, then okay, don't be so hard on yourself. I mean, live life, like what they used to say. But at least majority of what you eat every day or what you take in your body every day has to be something that is good for you. So give yourself a little 10 or 20% leeway during those times. But at the same time, as Sarah said, have that contingency plan that you have something to do, to have, to eat, um, that are not you know, not really junk, junk foods. But but uh, at the same time, don't be so rigid that, you know, like you are really, you're miserable with it because after all, life should be enjoyed and food should be enjoyed. So thank you, Sarah, for sharing those. Thank you. All right. So now tell our listeners where they can connect with you and learn more about what you do and, and what you grow uh, and, and grow with you. Um, my blog is thepaleomom.com. From there, you can link to me on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. Um, my book that is out and available in stores everywhere and online is called The Paleo Approach. Uh, in August, the companion cookbook, which is called The Paleo Approach Cookbook, uh, will be released. My podcast is called The Paleo View, and it's on um, iTunes and Stitcher. Um, and also syndicated on Radio IO. And the consulting company, the website for that, it, it has not launched yet, but once the company is officially launched, you'll be able to check it out at thepaleomomconsulting.com. By the way, to all our listeners, you know, all these fantastic resources and the links that is mentioned in today's podcast will be made available in a beautiful infographic show notes at transitioningtopaleo.com. Just type in the name Sarah or Sarah Ballantyne in the search bar and it will find it for you. So Sarah, thank you so much for being so generous in sharing your time and your inspiring story, for being a role model to many and for bringing such a positive energy with our listeners today. The Paley fans out there, including me, appreciate you and wish you more success in business and in your life. Thank you. Did you know there is a hormone in your body that turns your belly into a magnet for ugly fat? It literally turns the food you eat into embarrassing, pan-stretching, stubborn belly fat, even the foods you think are healthy. Discover a simple test that reveals if the belly fat hormone is sabotaging your fat loss and learn the easy and natural ways to shut down this hormone for good so you can have the flat stomach you deserve. Go to eatmorebrandmoresystem.com to learn more. Thanks for listening to Transitioning to Paleo Made Easy. Now it's time to get your quick and easy step-by-step guide to transitioning to the paleo diet. This beautiful free download includes the three most important things that you need to be focusing on in order to make the transition as smooth as possible. Ready to get started? Head over to transitioningtopaleo.com right now and begin your journey, and we'll see you next time.